0: Good morning, Geekdom community, and welcome to another episode of the Geekdom Underground Podcast, episode number 20. Wow, we're 20 deep. Number 20! Yeah, episode number 20. And uh, nothing but good vibes this morning. Uh, As always, it's your boy, JRG, hanging out with my buddy. Good morning, everybody. My name is Philip Hernandez.
1: I'm COO here at Geekdom, and I'm super excited this morning's episode of Geekdom Underground, episode 20. That is, wow. Yeah, a is, landmark episode. That is a landmark episode. And this is a very special episode. Today we have the co-founder of Generator Accelerator, Troy Vossler in the house. Uh-huh. good morning. Thank you so much for being here with us. I love
2: it. And by the way, the I didn't realize the underground name is true. We truly are in the basement level. That, right? That's oh. exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't. You know, superfluous. <laughs> yeah, what a yeah. great shout out for the Geekdom Underground
1: <laughs> Podcast yeah. Studio, hey. located underground. We are in the basement level, which is which is pretty rad. I mean, that's that's how we named it, and you know, we're pretty excited about. It. We need to, but we do need to spice this place up.
0: That's you know? what I was just saying. You need to get some paint on the walls. You need to get it's some true. photos. We need to
1: get more G's, more G's. <laughs> 3G, 4G, Three G, four G, yeah, <laughs> 5G. yeah. This is this is the place for all the G's, but. Well, it I, I feel like uh, I'm not doing it enough justice just saying that you know you're the co-founder of, of Generator. With this you're here in San Antonio because we just had a huge announcement yesterday. Big deal, mm-hmm. big deal. So where would you where did you come from? Sure. So I'm
2: uh, from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and that's where I live now. Um, and that's been the home, or the I should say the the founding headquarters of Gener- Generator. So both Milwaukee and Madison, Wisconsin. Wow,
1: so Wisconsin—that's a—that's a far trek to come down. Have you been to San Antonio before? Yeah, but this is my second time, and I, I gotta say, I absolutely love it. Really awesome. So, second time in San Antonio, you come to town. There's a press conference, packed house in the Geekdom Event Center. Mm-hmm. The mayor comes. Yeah. Judge Nelson Wolf, oh, Graham yeah. Weston in the house. Mm-hmm. All the news outlets. Front, front page of the paper. Front page of the yeah. paper. The trees up at Travis Park. <laughs> you know, like, yes. I mean, yeah, I mean, so so many things happen when magical. you came to town, yeah, magical. But but no, that's awesome. This is this is um, this is something that we've been working on for a long time. This partnership, um, and I re- I really want to get into all of that. Um, but you know, I think there's a lot of questions in the air um, after yesterday's uh, press conference because there's a lot of terms that are thrown around like cybersecurity, which if you ask. Five people, what is cybersecurity? <laughs> You're going to get five different answers. You know, um, accelerators, incubation, all of these all these different things. So let's demystify a little bit and clear the yep. air. So, That's Troy, true. if you could, um, why don't you let everybody know, what is an accelerator? Yeah, you bet. So I view the
2: accelerator as a time-constrained cohort model, meaning there's a set number of startups. It's not an um, uh, unlimited number of startups. It's not like an open-to-the-public thing. And it's time-constrained. So in our case, it's a 12-month-long, or excuse me, 12-week-long program, three-month-long program, a 12-week-long program uh, during which we have a competitive application process. So we recruit startups from all over the United States, even internationally. So those startups apply to our programs, including the cybersecurity program. Through that process, we'll narrow it down through a series of interviews, ultimately to five startups. So we'll select five startups. That'll comprise the cohort. We'll be investing $100,000 into each of those, which I think is another important distinction of an accelerator. So with an accelerator, we're actually investing cash in exchange for equity. Um, And so therefore, our incentives are very much aligned with that of the startup. So it's a little bit different than, you know, the pure definition of an incubator, which would be more about kind of the space, the community and the resources you know, whereas on the accelerator front, we're we're definitely about all those things, you know, we'll be co-located here at Geekdom, but then we're also having that investment com- component, which I think is the key kind of dif- uh, distinction or differentiator uh, when it comes to, to an accelerator. So think of this as, uh, again, a time-constrained model. It's a 12-week-long program. During that time, we're helping those five startups connect with mentors, customers, corporate partners, investors, basically whatever we think can help them grow, uh, grow customers, grow revenue, build more and better product, um, and then raise money to, to help them continue on
1: that growth path. That is awesome. Twelve weeks, so that's a quarter. Yeah, and um, so twelve weeks. You come in hundred thousand dollars invested. You have, if your company is in there, you have four other companies up to four other companies yep. that are that are in your cohort. Um, is there like? like do you have visibility into those other companies like are you um is there camaraderie within yeah, the cohorts yeah, that's the
2: goal absolutely so gotcha. you know companies can apply from all over i mentioned even internationally and certainly we hope that there's a number of great startups here in san antonio that are also going to be uh, applying and, and and receiving investment um, but within that cohort one of the things we're looking for is kind of that mix you know, do we think that this cohort is gonna, you know, uh, be collegial? Or, 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 you know, do they have complementary strengths and weaknesses? Um, and can we build that camaraderie? You know, it's more art than science. Don't get me wrong, but at the end of the day, those companies will be working here, at Geekdom. Um, no matter where they come from. They're gonna be re- relocating here for the that twelve week program, um, and and we hope to expose them to a fantastic experience here in San Antonio. So that's everything from. You know the, the cultural and lifestyle experience that we hope that they enjoy, um, but then the the business, the professional experience as well. Um, and and then it's really about kind of that Venn diagram where those two blend. Yeah. So, so if I'm working, you know, in the trenches, let's call it in the underground, uh, with these <laughs> with these four other startups, um, how are we helping each other from a business standpoint? Hey, you you know you know this developer, I need help with this. You oh, so and so is one of your angel investors. I would love an introduction to her. You know, so it's it's. It's helping on those business things, but then it's also like, hey, we're all human. We we yeah. all we're all going through this life together, and and how do we make sure that we're having fun while doing that? And and certainly, if if business is going well, I think it's perhaps easier to have fun. Right? Yeah, <laughs> um, it smooths out some of the bumps. Um, but and so our job is to help support that. Like let's ha- let's have people build great companies here. Let's have people have great personal and professional experiences here.
0: I think that's really cool because, yeah. I mean, you build like, and not to sound cheesy, but like lifelong relationships through these accelerators and through these programs. You're going through it together, the highs, the lows, you have someone to talk to and relate with. And then afterwards, it's just like, hey, companies may go separate ways or do their own thing. But it's like, hey, we went through that thing together Yeah, and we can share that. I think that's really cool. I think
2: it also speaks to, you know, one of our... Uh, differentiators at generator is this what we call our concierge approach so we only work with five startups at a time which is fairly materially different than a lot of other accelerators so you know others that might do 10 or 12 at a time 50 startups at a time 300 plus startups at a time and our model has always just been focused again on this concierge approach five startups at a time and I think the benefit of that from a camaraderie standpoint is you can't really hide you know, there's only there's yeah. only five startups and, you know, you're all going to be leaning on each other, supporting each other, che- cheering for each other um, versus, you know, if you had to double that size, you know, quadruple that size, et cetera, I don't think you, you, I don't think you necessarily have the same level of camaraderie across the entire cohort. So in our experience, that has resulted in these, you know, these lifelong friendships. And, sure. and uh, again, at the end of the day, we're here to do business. This is entrepreneurship, but uh, to the extent we can foster some of those, those interpersonal relationships, that that's a, a great you know second second order outcome yeah. yeah
1: man that's that is awesome um and it sounds intense um it i mean we yeah at Geekdom, we've been operating under a, a like every quarter we've been making really aggressive goals um s- specifically towards bringing this accelerator to San Antonio um so we're very familiar with what can get done in one quarter, and and with what you're talking about, that's a lot of growth, and especially if you get that investment, um, I can see why it's called that uh, an accelerator. What does a day in the life look like for yeah. a founder or a co? Well, when a company comes in, is it usually just one person as a co-founder as a founder, or do they have like co-founders and a team? Sure. In? So
2: um, the more the better is what we like to say. So. You know certainly we have invested in startups with just a, a solo founder you're know, just one person um, that's more of the exception than the norm but mm. but we've done it so we never want to have these absolute rules like no solo co-founders we you, we've done it and frankly some of our biggest successes have been been that way uh, but i'd say the average company is coming with like you know between two and three people so maybe those are co-founders maybe that's ceo those are other key employees um, and so certainly, some of it depends on life circumstances. You know, if someone has a, a newborn baby, that's more difficult to relocate or to yes. you know co- commit that type of time in, in a in a space here, like keep them. So you know, we we let the, the founders sort that out. But at a minimum, you know, we want key people here involved, engaged, and and you know, you asked about a day in the life, and I always want to preface that by saying startups, entrepreneurs, they get out what they put in. So we're going to provide the scaffolding, the structure. But we're not the CEO of your company. We're not the we're not a co-founder. Mm-hmm. We are a support system. We are going to help you set milestones. We are going to hold you accountable to those milestones. Uh and to the extent you need access to resources, we all need access to more, you know, everyone could use more resources. Uh whatever and whatever that mean that word means to you, we're gonna help grease the skids, make that more efficient, whether that's through introductions, whether that's through our own institutional knowledge, through our own network, through our extended network. So now we have. You know, these nested networks We're generator your geekdom, you know, hopefully this is, you know, one plus one equals three as a result of these, these, you know, intertwined and nested networks. So, uh, you very much get out what you put in, uh, you know, I'll, I'll confess a dirty secret of, of not just us, but a lot of accelerators is, is this notion of external accountability at that. Again, at the end of the day, I can't stress enough. We are not the CEO, like we're not in there typing code for you. We are not in there, um, pitching your company in front of an investor. That being said, if you need to help hiring a new developer, we're going to help guide you on that. If you need introductions to investors, we're absolutely going to do that. That's a, 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 a very specific part of the program. Um, but it's the, more this notion of external accountability. So what does a day in the life look like? You know, the, the program is roughly divided into three parts. The first third is what we call our mentor swarm. So over the over the course of a month, uh, each of the startups is going to meet roughly a hundred mentors. Mentors sourced from our network, from the local San Antonio community, uh, from the the litany of um, subject matter experts as it relates to cybersecurity, from the geekton network, etc. So we're going to composite all these mentors together, uh, and at at a minimum, each of these startups are going to have opportunity to, to connect, meet briefly one-on-one. So almost think of it as like a speed dating type experience, speed networking type experience between each of the five companies and a hundred mentors. Our theory on that is if we can connect you with as many smart, well-connected people as possible, serendipitous, positive outcomes will emerge from that. I can't, I can't be prescriptive. I can't say, Hey, you're going to talk to Jane and uh, I know she's going to unlock this door. I can't be prescriptive like that. But what I can say is if you run that random roulette wheel enough times Mm -hmm. you're going to land on the right number or or someone's going to say you know what my brother-in-law is the perfect person you you need to talk to and that might be the boom aha moment i would never know that i don't know who your brother-in-law is right i could never guess that so again it's about um creating optionality for yourself um etc so that's step one mentor swarm
1: real quick before you go into the next step on on that mentor swarm where do those
2: mentors come from Good question all over so you know we we kind of have a um a stable within our database folks that have mentored generator startups in the past they're tagged accordingly in our database we we make each mentor swarm opportunity available to that full full pool of mentors uh and people opt into it mentors opt into it so maybe they're all oh, right maybe on. they're on vacation maybe they're not available right now but we have we have enough kind of in the system where where we where we fill that so that's that's one bucket another bucket would be leaning on on the geekdom network so who who here within the geekdom community is interested in in mentoring these startups, and and a mentor can be anyone from an entrepreneur, a community member, a subject matter expert, um, uh, someone working in academia, so someone working in in private corporate life, someone working for government, perhaps one of the cybersecurity functions within the government, uh, or an investor. So it could be any of these things. Yeah. Uh, so so it's pretty broad. So t- the second bucket would be you know tapping the geekdom network, and then three would be. Um, once we get the managing director hired and, and full-time here based in San Antonio, you know, really relying on them to, to even extend that network further. So that'd be a mix of, Hey, let's make sure we're getting the, everyone who wants to be involved in the local community. Let's, let's get them involved and then let's build concentric circles out from that in, with a particular eye toward cybersecurity or things adjacent to that, that we think could be helpful, helpful for these. Programs. Yeah.
1: And I mean, on se- with such an exciting program, um, do you find that mentors uh, want to be a part of this do they get compensated for it? sure so uh, absolutely we, we
2: I think some of the best interactions that that we have as you know organizers of an accelerator program that the startups have as participants in a program is this mentor swarm process mentors do not get paid there's no compensation um, all we ask for them is is roughly 90 minutes of their time to yeah. efficiently connect uh, some of this will be in person for local mentors other but it'll also be have a hefty virtual component. The beauty of what we've, I think what we've all learned through COVID is um, in some cases, people's willingness to connect across a further distance because we offer virtual options is greater. So we can actually connect with more better mentors uh, as a result of this kind of new normal that we live in. So I think that's a great byproduct, perhaps of of the, of the pandemic, but mentors do not get compensated. It's fully on a pay it forward basis. So, Hey, they want to help the startup community. They want to help these entrepreneurs and, and they're passionate about that and they do it for free. Now, that being said, there's, it can, paths can diverge after that point. So all we're doing yeah. is saying, hey, we're going to set up this interaction. You mentor are going to meet five great startups. You startup are going to meet a hundred great mentors. From there, it's really on both of you to push that relationship forward. You know, if someone said they're going to make these three introductions, like you should follow up and ask for those introductions or get yep. them the materials they need to make those introductions. Um, maybe someone's an angel investor or a VC um, and um, they want you to stay in touch. So for the next three months, you're going to keep them in touch and maybe that leads to an investment. Others, hey, maybe it's not a fit at all. They they don't know about your your business or your subject area. That's okay too. You know, so not, not all of these are gonna progress. But we've seen everything from uh, out of the mentor swarm, people become formal advisors, people become independent board members, people become investors, people become customers, oh, wow. people wow. become employees even. You know, yeah. You know, sometimes these people are transitioning in and out of work and they say, Oh, I love what you're doing. I'm actually looking for to, to advance my career, change my career. And, you know, I'd love to join your company in, in this mission. So we've seen all of those permutations play out. And again, it go, I go back to this, you know, the, the theory behind the mentor swarm is, how can we connect as many, you know, smart,
1: well-connected people as possible and, and get those,
2: those serendipitous
1: outcomes. Yeah, that is awesome. Um, And you know, the, uh, I, I really love the collaborative spirit behind that Um, with the, it, it speaks volumes to, to the mentors and the caliber and quality that, that they bring to the program if they're coming um and they're not coming for the money they're coming because you know they want to pay it forward exactly. and you know that mentor mentee relationship goes both ways i think both sides get to learn from each other um so thank you for sharing that so um i had cut you off i apologize you had said it starts with that mentor swarm
2: that's, that's kind of the first third mentor swarm we then transition into what we call company building so uh, or company growth. And and during that time, really throughout the whole program, but the emphasis here in the middle, uh, we have biweekly team meetings. So twice a week, each of the five startups is meeting one-on-one for an hour with with the managing director and program manager. And, and typically, let's say it's Tuesdays and Thursdays. Typically what the, the Tuesday meeting will look like is, you know, we have a weekly update that we ask the companies to do. It's everything from kind of highlights, lowlights, KPIs, et cetera. And, and we're going to use that as the agenda for the meeting so this is kind of the template that we've given them we asked them to complete it weekly we're roughly going to use that as the agenda for the meeting and and you can think of that as it's the it's um it's the startup kind of setting the agenda based on what they put in that update so you know what are areas that they think they need help with do they need specific introductions what what's a roadblock and, and it's almost like an informal therapy like we're trying mm-hmm. to find like what are the bottlenecks What are the roadblocks how can we how can we be helpful and sometimes it's just talking through it. In other cases, it's it's more substantial, and it's like how do we navigate that? Maybe we, maybe the managing director, program manager can be helpful with the answer. Maybe it's someone in our generator or geekdom networks that has the answer, or maybe we have to go outside of that and 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 try to facilitate some introduction. So think of that as that's kind of the startups meeting, the entrepreneurs meeting, second meeting of the week. Let's call it Thursday. Uh, that tends to be more the generator meeting. So you know, based on our Pattern recognition of having done this over nine years, we've invested in 154 startups. You know, what are red flags or, or things that that we think the startup needs to be focused on? And or, or maybe it's something like, hey, based on the Tuesday meeting, I really think you're kind of going down this rabbit hole too much. And we kind of we, we need to reorient you, you know, uh, you know, uh, the practice of entrepreneurship hasn't changed for a millennia. It's, it's about, you know, creating a product or service, selling it uh, um, and, and going from there. So orienting people perhaps back onto, back onto sales instead of product. And I use that as an example just because it's pretty common in entrepreneurship. People tend to be product people, especially developers tend to be product people. Mm-hmm. And how do, we, how do we push them out of the, kind of that core competency, that comfort zone, into what oftentimes is talking to customers um, and, and hoping to find that product market fit or getting closer to that product market fit? So second meeting of the week, think of that as kind of the generator meeting. We're going to set the agenda, set the pace a little bit more. Spurs throughout that, we'll have uh, typically a weekly dinner or meal where we'll oftentimes bring in outside speakers. So someone to talk about either a topical area. In this case, you know, maybe it's a a nuanced area of cybersecurity. Maybe it's something more tactical, like how do you sell cybersecurity solutions to Fortune 500 companies? You know, so topical areas. Hmm. And then uh, it's a meal. So you you asked about camaraderie. So there's very much that aspect. And then group goal setting. So part of this is uh, the external accountability. So as a group, we're going to set goals you know, with each of the five companies in front of each other, you know, what are your goals for the following week? And we want to make sure they're, they're smart goals, you know, let's, let's make them quantifiable, et cetera. And hopefully that's an opportunity for people to share. So if I'm setting a goal that I need to, you know, connect with CISOs at, at this CISO at this company, well, maybe someone else will raise their hand and say, I know who that is Mm -hmm. and I can make that connection. Right. Second part of that is what I call positive peer pressure. So if we're setting these goals as a group, you know, there is some, some, some peer pressure that comes along with that because the following week, we're going to review your, your success in reaching those goals. Did you accomplish that? What was the, if not, what was the roadblock? How can we as a collective group help? So, so there's positive peer pressure and, and hopefully on a week to week basis, you know, people are substantially hitting their goals, but, yeah. but at the same time, we do want them to be somewhat of a stretch goal and it can't be, you know, all green all the time. There's going to be some roadblocks. So positive peer pressure, external accountability, The last section of the program, the final third, is what we call the investor swarm. So again, we're perhaps- Lots of swarms. Created with our our names. Mentor swarm, number one, investor swarm at the end. And what that is, is uh, we schedule one-on-one pitch meetings between those five startups and all the investors in our network. Oh wow! Now some of these could be generalist investors. Some of them, you know, will augment that with with industry specific investors. You know, in this case, uh, around cybersecurity, or have a propensity to invest into cybersecurity startups, and and so uh, we're going to schedule those. And I kind of call it like a disintermediated process. So I think a lot of accelerators put all their eggs in you know proverbial eggs in one basket with a with a final demo day event. We do that. I'll get to that shortly. But because we only have five startups, kind of this. Uh, we have this ability to ask an, a VC, hey, can, can we have 90 minutes of your time? And you can officially review five great startups that have been competitively selected from a pool of hundreds of applicants. Uh, they've been working with us for, for at least two months. Can we have 90 minutes of your time to meet them? And we find that that increases or elevates kind of the average amount of interest and investment that across a cohort sees. Because again, if we're putting all of our eggs in one basket with just one demo day, and that's when investors get to see these startups, well, what if you as an entrepreneur have a bad day? What if you have a bad pitch? What if just the vibe of the room, the groupthink goes to just one company, not yours? Whereas if we can disintermediate that, and our goal is always to have 85 unique shots on goal, meaning get you in front of at least 85 different investors, that we, we kind of increase the average. So you yeah. can kind of smooth out some of those bumps or groupthink or if you have a bad day, et cetera. So. Um, that's been a very successful approach. We really pride ourselves in, in, you know, that ability to source follow on funding. And then we end the program with a demo day. We call it premiere night. Um, so a big, you know, community event showcase style event, and really it's, it's more of a celebration than anything. It's, it's a chance for those five companies to get on stage, and, and merchandise the progress and traction that they've made yeah. in, the, in the preceding three months. And, and, and hopefully it's an opportunity for some of them to get on stage and say, Hey, you know what? I had a great experience in San Antonio. I had a great business experience. I had a great personal experience, you know, from a lifestyle perspective. And now, you know, I'm moving here or I'm re here or we're opening, opening a, a sales office, a, a, a developer office here in San Antonio. You know, yeah. that, that'd be the type of goal that we would aspire for and hopefully Hopefully, come premiere night, some startups will announce that. In Love your that. in your other cities, do you see that happen that that they end up that they end up sticking around? Absolutely. So we have we have some great examples. You know, I I can speak to two um, in Milwaukee recently. A company called Fiveable, which just raised a phenomenal um, kind of Series A round. Group a uh, company called Bright Cellars, which just raised uh, another venture round. But both of them came from completely different parts of the country. Came for generator for accelerator, had a great experience in some cases found kind of their, their lead investor for their seed round. And uh, in other cases found team members, employees, customers, distribution channels, you name it and end up re headquartering in this case to Milwaukee. And so we certainly hope to have uh, great examples like that here in San Antonio as well. But yeah. but what I want to say is we generate, we take a light touch to it for us. It's about um, can we provide a great experience for them? Can we generate or provide a great experience for them during the accelerator and ha- have them have, you know, um, See value from that. But then it's also on the community. So, you know, my 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 call to arms would be can the community show that like, hey, there is a business reason for you to be here. Mm -hmm. We this customer, this mentor, this investor are 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 buying from you, they're distributing your product, they're investing in your company, you're hiring great people here. Let's make the business case as a community to to make a a startup come here. It should it's not about charity. Yeah, it's about business and and that's what we should
0: It's a group effort.
2: Focus
1: on. Yeah. And so on that, like um, it, you can only like to your point you can only do so much generator can only do so much the startup can only do so much but there is an obligation on the city uh to you know step it up and and be a place to not only work but also live and play um so is there any um method to the madness of like picking which cities that generator is going to sure. occupy yeah so you know first and foremost i got to give credit
2: to 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 you charles the, the whole Geekdom crew, because um, it's just been such a phenomenal welcome. I think the announcement that we had yesterday was the m- most enthusiasm, the most momentum, the biggest crowd that we've had for any sort of announcement like this. And I think that's oh, wow. credit to Geekdom. I think it's credit to the, Dang, shout the out. San Antonio Ooh. community. Um, but in terms of how we pick, you know, so one, we always want to have a champion. So in this case, yeah. Geekdom, you know, you've already done, you've done the hard work. You've built the, the community that you, that you have here. You have a phenomenal space. You have phenomenal, phenomenal programming. And we're just so fortunate to be able to plug into that. You know, we're not, we're standing on the shoulders of giants with y'all and we're not, um, and I don't say that lightly, you know, that's significantly different than coming into a community where there is none of this community, none of this infrastructure. So yeah. being able to have a champion, like he geeked to come in with and go hand in hand and ride your coattails is a tremendous wind in our, in our sail. More broadly, how do we think about kind of expansion and growth? You know, I think today generators one of only four accelerators in the world with more than three locations. It's a pretty small group. Um, And so we very much pride ourselves on this network approach. So within that, we focus on secondary markets. So I I mentioned earlier, we started Generator in 2012 in both Madison and Milwaukee, Wisconsin. By no means, (laughs) the Silicon Valley, you wouldn't even call it Silicon Valley of the Midwest, right? Um, So underserved markets, underserved from a startup perspective, underserved from a venture capital perspective, but... I firmly believe that talent is distributed evenly. You know, when, when someone is born, the, the innate entrepreneurial talent, again, I think it's distributed even evenly geographically. It's not like only smart entrepreneurial people are born in the Bay area. Like that's just simply not true. So knowing that our mission is how can we be the best partner for a community? Again, community is very key. How can we be the best partner for a community to invest in its best and brightest? And, and for us, it's been focusing on these secondary markets. And so the unfortunate statistic is that 80% of all venture capital goes to just three states, California, New York, and Massachusetts, meaning the other 47 states, Texas included, are fighting for this 20% of the pie, only the, the remaining 20% of all venture capital. And I think some of that, um, it's not zero sum. So how can we tie these secondary markets together as a more cohesive community and realize that we can gain more from each other than we're perhaps cannibalizing from each other. Meaning how can I be, if I'm an entrepreneur in San Antonio, I might be best served by a mentor in Indianapolis or an investor in Milwaukee or a corporate partner in Cincinnati. And via the generator network, we can help make these connections happen and vice versa. There might be a resource, a person, a corporation, an institution, an investor here in San Antonio that at some point in the future, again, I, I don't know what I can't be prescriptive on what that's going to be, but I'm sure that they will help other startups in the gener- in the generator network and some of these other secondary markets. And so again, I think it's more about how do we tie ourselves together as secondary markets to to create more magnetism relative to Silicon Valley, New York, and Boston. I'll end, you know, to give a more vivid analogy, you know, think about grocery shopping. If I had to go, if I had a list of 25 items that I had to buy for, to, for groceries, but I had to go to 25 different stores to get them, the odds of me actually doing going to 25 different stores are, is pretty low. Yeah. V- versus if I can just go to one store, a supermarket, a grocery store, and buy all 25 of those things, that, that's a pretty good outcome. And so where I'm bridging that is if I'm a, a Silicon Valley VC or a New York VC, a Boston VC, and I'm looking for deals, the odds of me saying, first, I'm going to go and look up the best startups in San Antonio. Then I'm going to look up the best startups in in Birmingham, Alabama, then I'm going to go the best startups in uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, The odds of them doing that are pretty low. But when we can tie all those things together and put them into what I call the generator store, and at the generator store, San Antonio has a shelf, Milwaukee has a shelf, Detroit has a shelf. Well, now we're making that experience much more efficient for the capital allocators, for VCs and and other investors. So that's really our hope.
1: Yeah. And, you know, it's, uh, it's great to hear you expand on um, the importance of community and network and the why behind um, the the why behind the importance of community to generator when you and I met and you know Charles and I were were talking to you about accelerators we were we were really asking questions we were truly on a discovery call just seeing like are we even in the right place is this even what mm-hmm. we really want and um, the thing that, that stuck with me so much is how passionate you were about community um and because now you've seen as we told you back on that call um that community is super important to us here at geekdom but now you've seen it and you've experienced it you've felt it um hopefully when you were here was Big the biggest crowd we've had so and i'll and take it yeah
2: front page
0: the paper. i can't fr-
1: believe it front page i know no <laughs> I mean, that I gotta frame it yeah yeah well us too yeah yeah, that's awesome. So, I have to ask you: um, nine years that this has been yeah. this has been going on. Why? Why did you start this? What What led to that?
2: Yeah, good question. So, both myself and my business partner, we met. We're, uh, we were both lawyers, and so we met working on some mutual transactions together, both on the startup and the investor side. And so, from that, you know, I, I'd say we hit it off personally and professionally, and, and had a shared ground perspective that there just lacked a lot of efficiency for an entrepreneur to go from idea to incorporation to raising venture capital to gro- to growing that business etc so on and so forth and it was frustrating because you know in a lot of communities there were a lot of kind of let's call it legacy resources but a lot of them were oriented around what i would call more traditional main street style businesses high tech high growth startups were a, were a little bit different now certainly there's like general business acumen that can bridge that gap no doubt i don't want to I don't want to minimize that. But there weren't a whole lot of resources that, that I would say were very tailored to kind of this holistic approach, what I would call quarterbacking instead of pinballing, meaning in a lot of ecosystems, it's like we can go here for this and then you can go here for this and then you can go here for this. And at the end of the day, you're you're kind of sh- drowning that startup in, in directions. And so how can we quarterback them a little bit more, give them a little bit more guidance and handholding so that they can focus on what's most important, which is building that business and others can support them with more tactical things like creating a C corp or, um, you know, registering if it's a regulated industry, like going through the regulatory pathway, et cetera. So again, we we had this ground perspective that there lacked efficiency for nascent entrepreneurs to do that in parallel, we had become admirers of what became known as the accelerator model at the time. So that really started with Paul Graham and Y Combinator originated in in the Boston area. Now, now in Silicon Valley, but hands down, the, the 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 granddaddy of accelerators, in my opinion, you know, hands down, the most successful, uh, etc. You know, no matter which way you cut it, and I like that approach. I said this notion of how can we take kind of the same amount of money, but rather than investing that 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 bolus of same amount of cash in one startup, how do we spread it out over a cohort of startups, and provide all these wraparound services. Uh, and do it in a cohort-based model and do it in a time-constrained model. So there is some, some urgency around that in the same way that, you know, if a, if a, if a high schooler has a, a homework deadline, you know, they're probably going to get it done before the deadline. But if they don't have a deadline, it just kind of languishes. So I, lo- I loved everything that, that they were doing. And we said, hey, why don't we do that here, here being Wisconsin, which is where both me and, and my co-founder, Joe Kurgis, are based. And so we, we quit our jobs. We found a group of angel investors out of the Milwaukee area, who really shared that same vision and passion and that's when we started Generator in 2012 so so at that time annually we would run programs in both Madison and Milwaukee so you know winter in Madison spring program in or uh, summer program in Milwaukee and, and vice versa um, and that, and that was the the genesis of the idea and since so we started those two cities and today we're in you know with San Antonio 29 different markets wow what did
1: uh you're are you, you said you're still operating in Milwaukee and mm-hmm. Madison um, what has that, what was the startup ecosystem, like the startup landscape, like in 2012 when you started and then what does it look like today?
2: Yeah, it's a good question. You know, I'd say, um, it's evolved tremendously. And I, I think that's true of, of, of most communities as it should be, you know, it mm-hmm. should evolve. So for one, I think there's a lot more resources available for what, what I would bucket as like venture backable, high tech, high growth startups, um, web enabled startups, etc. So so, there's more resources available. I think more than anything, though, there's community awareness around it. So, I think that starts with how do you get the incumbents? And oftentimes, those are like angel groups. So, uh, I'll use Madison as an example. There was a very successful angel community around biotech and life sciences. And certainly, Generator's done some work in those areas, but the, a lot of what we were doing was web, software, et cetera. And I think, uh, you know, there, so there was a bit of a learning curve, there's education, but they were, uh, to their credit, that, you know, this, the angels in the community really came around to that and they said, Hey, we need our economy does need to diversify our angel portfolios need to diversify. And an accelerator was actually an efficient way to, to help do that because we were kind of an additional screening layer, almost like a due diligence layer. And so uh, we were fortunate for a- angels in the mass and community to invest into our fund and invest into our startups. And then I think that that awareness spreads, there's some virality to it. Yep. And so now you have more funders, investors that are apt to, to invest in these new types of companies you have resources at like the university level that are starting to 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 train or network with or educate you know young people kind of in, in these new high tech high growth startup ways, um, and then and then the talent starts to diffuse. So uh, I think the the holy grail for every community. I mean, this rack space here in San Antonio is a great example where you have all this like the shedding that comes from that, meaning like the talent that spins off of that, the capital, the wealth, the jobs, the institutional knowledge that, that stems from that is, is tremendous. And I think every community is fighting for that. I think in Madison and Milwaukee, we're, we're still climbing that mountain. You know, we're waiting for that aha moment where, where again, the, the, the wealth, jobs, talent, institutional knowledge can, can trickle down, but, but we continue to put more resources into it. It continues to evolve. Um, but I also think there's a key takeaway that there's no magic bullet to this either. And, and there's a healthy amount of, of timing and luck, you know, yeah, we never know when that next unicorn or that next, you know, huge exit is going to happen. Yeah. But, but what we can control is what we're putting it into that machine. You know, are we helping, are we, are we having more first time starts, you know, first fundings of companies. And I th- I'm confident that if we continue to increase that number as a community, the, the, the rest will, will come out the back end.
1: Yeah, that's that's great. When you started or so when you look at now, like like you just flew into San Antonio, had a great trip, you know, were able to um, explore downtown a little bit. How does that feel like looking back at um, like 2012 when y'all had just started? Is this what you thought that it was going to be back then or did you think that it was going to stick there in in Madison and and Milwaukee? I'm I'm terrible at this because a lot of people
2: ask me, well, what's your five, what's generator, what's your five five year goal or aspiration or where will you be in five years, where where will you be in ten years? And I hate that question Uh, (laughs) because if you asked me five years ago where we would be, I I don't think I could have even guessed like twenty percent of it right in terms of where we're doing today. Meaning the geographic expansion as as embodied here in San Antonio, the programmatic expansion. You know, today we run accelerators, even for artists and musicians, we run a skilling accelerator for un and underemployed individuals. We never would have dreamed of doing that stuff five years ago. So, so I struggle to answer that question. What I will say is I think if any organization or startup, if, as long as you have a, a North star, like a strong mission. And again, I always go back to our mission. We want to be the best partner for a community to invest in its best and brightest as long as you have opportunities that arise that fit within that mission and you evaluate them accordingly in terms of you know what what's the the opportunity cost of doing this what's the financial you know equation associated with this as long as it fits that mission and you check the other boxes i think that's that's fair game you should be opportunistic in that regard and i think we've very much lived that opportunistic growth strategy but at the same time i think it does tie back to the mission it ties back to the strategy of of investing in our communities and, and I always go back to the that grocery store analogy. You know, if we can add more shelves in our grocery store, yeah. we think that increases the sale of products on every other shelf, mm. right? Just like a supermarket. Meaning if we only had a store that sold real niche produce product or niche canned good product, that might not sell. But when you put it next to all these other things, like, well, now we're talking, now people are buying, buying these yeah. things as a basket of items. And so we very much believe in that network strategy. We believe in networks over parochialism, Uh, meaning I think there's a lot of communities that they become a, their, their ecosystem as it relates to startups or entrepreneurship becomes a pond into itself. And meaning they're like, oh, well we have, you know, these handful of investors, handful of VCs, universities, but, but they, they kind of lack the connectivity out to other communities, to other sources of capital. And we're really trying to, to kind of break those parochial chains and say, hey, it's okay if a startup raises money from L.A. or if a startup has customers in, in Indianapolis. In, in fact, we want to facilitate that.
1: Yeah. Um, when you uh, – so with this experience and having this level of visibility into so many startups, it's got to be like an emotional roller coaster. <laughs> uh, you know, we hear about uh, – oftentimes it's publicized whenever there's a positive milestone hit, or somebody gets funding or or um, something like that. But the things that happen behind closed doors, the challenges, it's not always sunshine and rainbows. Yeah. Um, so what in your experience have you identified that like maybe an oversight that startups might have going into a program yeah, like Generator?
2: I, I think you're absolutely correct. The 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 big flashy stories, you know, take over. Um I call it tech crunch itis like if i had to it
1: yeah it, <laughs>
2: so and founders fall into this where i fall into it where, where you read all these headlines you know this company raises 10 million this company raises 30 million they you know 100 million dollar valuation 1 billion dollar valuation you know you hear all these things and you presume that like be, because you exist like that's your path yeah and, you know i, I don't want to call it entitlement but but there's this belief that like everyone gets that and again sitting on my side of the table having done this for nine years working with more than 700 startups it, it's not the case it's the outlier mm-hmm. more than the norm and so part of our job is is help helping to ground startups in that the more we can do that empirically like sh- by, by showing them data or just anecdotally i think the better um we're all, we're all come at it from like a couple tactical angles i think sometimes we're criticized being oh you know these companies are trying to raise too much if you were in our meetings, I can't stress enough how much we advise startups to raise less. Mm. <laughs> and a lot of that has to do with, you know, if you raise less and perhaps perhaps that does mean the valuation's a little bit lower. Well, now you're not what I call price to perfection. I think too many startups and VCs fall into this too, where their seed round, their series A round is what I call price to perfection, meaning it's, it's basically the top of the market that can bear. That might be okay if you hit all your milestones. If you execute perfectly, hit all your growth milestones, that could be okay. The problem is if you don't do that, and the odds are probably in your favor that you don't execute perfectly. It's There's a lot of pressure. A, it's a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. And if you don't execute perfectly, well, now it, by raising less money, perhaps at a slightly lower valuation, you have room to always have a markup. You can always go back to the capital markets and have some sort of markup because at least you're going to have some growth, presumably. It might not be that you know, that three X year over year or greater number. But now you can, you always have kind of a, a release valve to go back and raise more capital. If you price to perfection, however, and you don't hit those milestones, well, now you might be looking at a flat round, a down round, mm. and increasingly investors might not even look at it. They might not even want to deal with it. They might just say, Hey, we have so many other opportunities surrounding us. We're going to we're going to go to them rather than kind of clean this, this other old one up. And so again, I think entrepreneurs make this mistake of, of, um, sometimes asking for too much money for, for pushing valuations, um, perhaps too high. And again, it's not, I'm not putting all the onus on the, on the startup here. Investors are very guilty of of kind of playing into this as well. I think at at times, um, that being said, if a startup can raise more money from investors that they want to work with at a great valuation, they should absolutely do it. But perhaps what my advice is, is, you know, I think there are other ways to create more optionality for you. Um, that perhaps might be in the long
1: term best interest of your startup. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, because it's what's what what's funny, especially as we've been working on this and having this accelerator conversation over the last few months, um, I've realized how little a lot of people know about accelerators. Um, especially when we're working with Mary, and she's like, "How do I talk to the press about what an accelerator <laughs> is?" But um, but what's funny too is even even startups. Um, you know, startup founders may not know, like, am I set up for this? Am I the right person for this? Right. So thanks for speaking on that. Um, to kind of go off a little bit, what do you, what drives you? What do you do outside of, outside of work? Good question.
2: I, I think part of it is I, I love what I do, right? I think, I think I'm speaking for, for my co-founder, Joe, for, for our team, you know, we wake up in the morning, go to bed at night thinking, how can we help more entrepreneurs? How can we help more entrepreneurs grow and succeed? And for us, the best feeling is a startup that perhaps you recruited to yeah. apply to Generator that went through Generator and you worked kind of, you know, hand in hand with them that you helped either directly or indirectly raise that the next round of fa- financing and then they're off and then they continue to grow and uh, you see their company grow, you see their um, their headcount grow in terms of employees and hopefully they have a good outcome, you know meaning. Hopefully they're, they're creating a lot of wealth and jobs and, and then hopefully they can give back to the community, um, in that way, you know, that trickle down effect. So there's no better feeling than that. And again, it's probably the biggest dopamine release to go from recruiting a startup to having them go through the program, investing in them, and then seeing them have success on the back end. No better feeling. Um, in terms of what I do outside, um, I, I'm a new dad, so we have a new four month old baby, two year old baby. So yeah. uh so I love love playing with them and, and frankly I think that's been one of the silver linings of COVID is you know, I'm traveling less. I'm obviously here now, but uh traveling less than I had been before, just because I think as a society we're we're figuring out ways to do stuff virtually, which is a good thing. Yeah. Uh I also think I'll take a tangent here. I also think that's a good thing for secondary markets, meaning you don't have to fly to Silicon Valley. You don't have to move your company. To New true. York. You don't have, you yeah. know, you can, you can stay here in San Antonio. You can stay in Milwaukee and, and you can build a great company and have the connectivity and, and resources and capital that you need. So, so I think, I think, again, that's a silver lining and I personally enjoyed it as a parent, um, you know, being able to be a little bit more present at home with my kids. Uh, I'll give you one funny thing that I really got into during the pandemic. You know, people get into like baking bread and all this stuff. I really got into my lawn, Oh, mm. did you? I would My wife would make fun of me. I watched YouTube videos. I would, you know, learn about you know fertilizing and aerating and all this fun stuff. So I don't get me wrong. I don't have a big lawn. I have a, like a tiny little postage stamp lawn. But uh, that that was something that that I got that, that I enjoyed. You know my my weekend lawn
1: mowing and lawn care stuff. So, so like so. you have like really nice grass. <laughs> you have like really nice grass, or you have like that's, like that's decorations, or the, the best grass. Oh yeah,
2: <laughs> even soft. Your own little slice of heaven, right there. Yeah,
1: the neighbors hate that's you. What I love. Yeah, <laughs> how do the neighbors feel? I think it steps everyone's game up, right? Yeah, you know, they got
2: to compete. They yeah, get, you know, get that long going. Yeah, the property line's <laughs> clearly visible. Yeah, right. <laughs> just perfect and pristine. It's just it's such a contrast. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's yeah, yeah that's so, great. So that's my version of baking bread.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for sharing. Um, <laughs> when you when you go back, um, and when you go to other cities, that that generator occupies. What are you going to tell them about San Antonio? I loved it. I I texted
2: my business partner. I texted my wife. I said, man, this is so much cooler than anything I've ever heard of. You know, I've, I've heard of the river walk and stuff, but you know, uh, Eddie from generator and I, we walked it last night and you know, the Christmas lights hanging from the trees and you know, people mingling about and walking around. It's, it's amazing. Like what an amazing piece of infrastructure an amazing kind of, you know, highlight to the city. and, And so I loved it. We got to go to some awesome restaurants. Um, during my time here. And, uh, I, I think it's those things, meaning it's outside of business that make people want to come to a city or mm-hmm. stay in a city. Yeah. And I, I was mentioning last night at dinner, if, you know, when we think about economic development, if you're a software developer, a six figure job today is kind of a, it's kind of the commodity. Yeah. Like you can, you can go any, any city and, and find that job. So then it becomes what are reasons outside of the job, completely yep. outside of the job, lifestyle, restaurants, nightlife, culture, art, music, et cetera, whatever you're into, it's those factors that I think make people want to relocate or stay where they are. And so my experience here in San Antonio has been phenomenal. I stayed in an awesome hotel right on the Riverwalk. This Riverwalk, I can't, I'm stressing <laughs> it. You guys, you guys live here probably like, oh, yeah, more Riverwalk. <laughs> no, yeah. I think it's I awesome. Love it. Yeah, and I love it. And I think that that's the type of stuff you got to double down on. And, and yeah. I'm excited to come back. I'm excited to bring more of my team members here, and I'm excited for the five startups uh, that we'll be investing in for the
1: first cohort. Oh, that's, yeah, that's great. Well, um, I only have a couple more for you, but uh, one of them that I, I went on the website, um, you know, and now everybody is live. Everybody can go check it out. It's generator.com slash cybersecurity. Yes. Um, and... <laughs> The A in generator is replaced with an eight. The number eight is—is is there mm-hmm, yeah. significance with that? A little
2: bit. So our one of our original co-founders and, and investors um, did a lot of business in China, uh-huh. and eight is kind of is the lucky number in Chinese culture. It's Kind of like what seven maybe in in American culture, uh, and so that that was that was part of the inclusion of the
1: eight. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah awesome. In um, fact, yeah, that is a fun fact. Well, well, I went to the site. Super informational. Um, that's where also all of our listeners, y'all can go check it out and get information on the program. Um, there's an apply here button. Yes. Um, so I did that. And that, it's a it's a lengthy application. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, there's a lot of things I'm going to miss here. But um, you need your pitch deck. And there's there's other areas where you can put other documents and things. What does a startup need? to be successful starting out in one of these things? Yeah. So, so I'll
2: start by saying we're actually recruiting for two things. So our first cohort of, of startups. So the application is live at generator.com slash cybersecurity. The application deadline is, is in May. Um, So we're actively recruiting those entrepreneurs and startups and we're broadly defining cybersecurity. So we don't, we don't want to have a very specific definition. If you're still curious, we do list a whole bunch of prompts and, kind of um you know jarg- more jargony words that, that mm-hmm. you can see if you fall into one of those buckets. But we're we're trying to be very broad in, in what we mean by cybersecurity. Um and the application deadline is in May. We're also recruiting for a managing director. So we're we're hiring the the generator employee that will be based here in San Antonio running this program. So for anyone out there that has a passion for entrepreneurship, passion for startups, and either expertise or just an interest in cybersecurity, because at the end of the day, we're also going to be relying on on the litany of experts in cybersecurity here already. But someone that really wants to be that startup coach, cheerleader champion uh, as managing director, we're recruiting for that as well. And you can find links on that website. You can go to our generator.com slash careers page as well to, to learn about that managing director page in terms of, you know, from a startup perspective, what we're looking for when they apply really it's, a, it's about the people. So mm-hmm. to tell us about you and your team, you know, what kind of motivates you? What are your past experiences? Basically get us comfortable or excited to think that you are formidable, that you are someone who can execute on this vision. You have, perhaps you have a unique point of view of the problem. Perhaps tied to that, you have a unique point of view on how to solve that problem. So, you know, give us, give us that full picture, that full context on why you are the person to do this. And why, like, why would we want to bet on you and why are you going to be the winner here? Next would be, um, uh, is this a large and growing market? You know, you might have a hundred percent of a super niche market, but that just never, the economics of that would never work out from a venture capital perspective. Um, but, but don't self-defeat, you know, you should still apply and, and we'll sort that out. That's our job to sort out. Yeah. Um, so, but do you have a large and growing market? So another way to think about that is, are you venture backable? And, you know, roughly you could say, you know, assuming things go well and you execute properly, you know, could this have a hundred million dollar plus outcome from a liquidity or exit standpoint? And then, you know, lastly, I always talk about traction and and I like to frame that as prove to, to us that the dog will eat the dog food. So all things being equal, team, market, et cetera. You know, if I have one company that, that already has X number of customers, X amount of revenue versus one without any of that, I'm going to tip my hand to the former, the one that has that traction. So again, I'm willing to, believe, having done this for nine years, I'm willing to believe that almost every idea could be good. <laughs> <laughs> if you can execute on it properly, almost any idea could be good. So then it's a matter of proof, proving that prove that the dog will eat the dog food. And the more you can brag about your traction, the better. I think sometimes entrepreneurs are bashful. They'll say like, Oh, I only have, you know, a thousand dollars of revenue. The reality is if you have $1 revenue empirically amongst all new businesses, you you probably have more than 95% of new startups in terms of revenue. So don't, don't be ashamed of that because, um, even a giant Sequoia starts from a seed, right? And, uh, I think too often entrepreneurs just say like, oh, I'm too shy or I don't want to share about like my, I think my revenue or my, my traction too little bright. Please, please, please brag about that show. Cause it's at least some indication that the dog, will eat the dog food. And that's an encapsulation of your ability to execute the market that you're selling into your ability to sell your ability to build a product. It's all those things when, when yeah. you have, when you have some
1: sales. Very well put. Thank you for that. Um, when you, this is my last question I have for you. Um, do you have any advice for uh, the the founder that's that has a cybersecurity startup right now that's listening and feels like they check all the boxes but is hesitant to to hit that apply button? Yeah, good question. What advice do you have for them?
2: One, I'm, I'm going to self-defeat here a little bit uh, or argue against myself. I think entrepreneurs owe it to themselves to create optionality. And that would be everything from Grow a great business that becomes cash flow positive, and you control your own destiny. And maybe you don't have to ever raise venture capital. Good for you. That might be your path. Um, Pitch all the angel investors and VCs that you can find and and see if you get investment. You should do all that. I'm also biased because I, I own and run an accelerator. I think accelerators are a great mechanism, you know, to achieve your growth. And I think startups should be applying to as many accelerators as possible. So again, I'm, I'm, I'm arguing against myself here a little bit, but I think you as a startup CEO owe it to yourself to create your, one of your core jobs is creating optionality for, for you and your business. And I think you should apply to as many accelerators as possible and see where it goes. Let the worst thing be that you get accepted to a dozen great accelerators and you turn them all down because maybe, because you have a great offer from a VC, let that be the worst thing, right? What I don't want to see happen is a startup that Overthinks about it, apply, does a lot of research, which is good. You should do research on these, but they only apply to one accelerator and let's say they don't get in. Well, now you kind of got to restart that process and you got to wait for the next application deadline. And then you're applying to the next one. I think it, you, you owe it to yourself to take a shotgun approach, to apply to many different accelerators, to pitch to many different angels, pitch to many different VCs, all while trying to grow your business. I, I acknowledge yeah. I'm asking for more than hundred percent output, mm-hmm. but, but that's the name of the game of entrepreneurship. So first if you're thinking about it at all, I think you owe it to yourself to create optionality. You should apply to generator cybersecurity. You should also apply to many other accelerators. And, and, and let's see where, where the chips land. Let's see where things shake out. I think that's that would be my best advice to a startup.
1: Right on. Yeah, thank you. Well, this has been... Awesome, Troy. I really appreciate you you know, coming to our city. Welcome to San Antonio. Um, I appreciate you spending all the time with us and sharing a little bit of your story, where Generator came from. And with that, Mr. JRG, if you would, please take us home, sir.
0: Absolutely. Love it. Thank you for your time, Troy. How do people find out more about what uh, Generator's doing? You bet. So visit our website, generator.com. That's
2: G-E-N-E-R, the number eight, T-O-R.com. Generator.com slash cybersecurity. If you're a startup, please apply before that May deadline. If you're uh,
0: interested in the managing director role, please apply for that as well. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Thanks for hanging out with us this morning, and we'll see you next week. Take it easy, y'all. Bye, everybody. See y'all. Thank you.